0: what's going on everybody welcome back to the geno time podcast here on the blue wire podcast network we're brought to you by bet online my name is tom westerholm i'm joined by nicole yang chris grenham we're gonna get into a couple things today we have a uh we talk mostly about kemba walker We'll get into a couple of uh, coaching things as well. But before we do all that, we did want to start the episode by just kind of acknowledging something that we didn't mention on the last episode. Two of the coaching candidates who we discussed on our Coaching Candidate podcast have some kind of disturbing stuff in their background. It's Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups, I don't necessarily want to go into details on that one. Um, You know, just if there's anybody listening, just out of respect for anybody, if they don't you know, necessarily want to hear about that stuff, it's pretty easy to find on Google. I think we all just felt that it was important to to touch on that stuff and to kind of bring it up because we didn't before. And I don't necessarily know that it gets a ton of coverage. I thought Chad Finn wrote a good um, column on the uh, the Boston Globe about Jason Kidd in particular. We don't have to get too deep into it. I don't know if there's anything that you guys want to add to that.
1: We should also say that we neglected to mention anything about Kristaps Porzingis. as well, we should have included that because it's part of their history as a potential coach and a player.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's relevant, very relevant information. I think it's kind of wild how it doesn't get talked about probably as much as it should be because it is extremely relevant. So yeah, I think it's important just to note it and to make sure it doesn't get glossed over like a lot of this stuff sometimes does. Definitely.
0: All right. So on that note, let's, uh, let's talk briefly about the coaching candidates before we get into Kemba. Sounds like the Celtics did get permission from the Clippers to interview Chauncey Billups. Obviously, the Clippers are still playing. So Brad had to you know, get permission to talk to him and everything. It sounds like he also is reaching out for permission to talk to some names that we've heard before, a couple that we haven't. Um, again, mostly assistants, Ime Adoka, Jamal Mosley, Darvin Ham. The other, and then I think the other thing that was kind of interesting, probably not a candidate to really be the head coach, um, but one of the internal candidates who we hadn't seen before, who got an interview was Joe Missoula. Joe joined the Celtics staff a couple of years ago. He was a player at West Virginia and he was the head coach at Fairmont State in a division two program. He's been working with Romeo Langford. He was the guy who was responsible for the, the ping pong paddle workout that made the rounds on, uh, on Twitter. I think with Joe, and then maybe you know with with some of the internal candidates, I don't necessarily know if they are deeply in consideration for these jobs, but I think it's it's cool to see that they're getting a chance to go through the process. And I do think that all of these guys have long, bright futures in the NBA, even if they don't you know necessarily get the Celtics job right now.
2: I think it was good to see that Missoula got. An interview just because he's has the head coaching experience in his past and he's done some really good things on that staff so I was happy to see that I wasn't really I'm, I'm sure most people weren't but surprised by the initial list that came out that Brad Stevens was reaching out toward like pretty standard kind of what we expected a lot of those assistants align with Brad's defensive mindset guys like Godoka and, and Mosley. So I think those candidates make sense. I don't think that's the end of the candidate lists. Like, I'm sure that's just the start. And I think we're going to see plenty more names pop up over the next week to two weeks. It's a good starting point and uh, not a very surprising starting point, I should say.
1: Yeah, that was one of my takeaways was this is just the beginning in that Brad is going to be conducting a very extensive search. Because if you start internally, the fact that he's interviewed beyond Jay Laranaga and Jerome Allen, I think shows that he's just going to do all his due diligence. Initially, formality might be harsh, but I thought he was just sort of doing Joe Missoula and Scott Morrison a solid, like just not trying to leave everybody out and Not have any hurt feelings because he did work closely with obviously all of the assistants. So we'll see what ends up happening with the internal candidates, both like whether they get promoted or if they move on elsewhere. Because Jerome Allen also was offered, according to the undefeated, a similar position with the Pittstons. And so he already has another job waiting for him. And he's also in contention for the Blazers' job potentially. So it'll be interesting to see how all like the holdovers, what happens to them basically. But in In terms of like the actual list that was released, like my biggest takeaway was also that they were all former players none of them were particularly good obviously besides Chauncey Billups but they all do have NBA playing experience like not even just college so they all went undrafted so again like it's not like there's anybody that you would remember their career probably but I do think it speaks to the fact that maybe that is a trait that they're looking for that okay we're moving a former coach into the GM role now we want a former player into the coaching role whether it's because they can relate better or they want to try something new out so.
0: This is going to be one of the best coaching jobs on the market this offseason. The people the Celtics interview are really going to want this job. So they do have a bit of an advantage there, I think, where, where they can take their time. They can interview everybody they want to interview, and they don't have to just be like, well, we really want Mike Dantoni, so we, we got to get him before somebody else does. Like they can, I think they can kind of really weigh their options.
2: Even though there are, like the Indiana job is now open. So now you've got Indiana, Orlando, and Portland. Because the Celtics is probably the best job out of that batch, there might be a situation where, say, Portland or Orlando or something is going after Chauncey Billups. He might want to wait it out to see how the Boston process works out. So I just think that there still is no real reason for the Celtics to push the envelope on this because it's a really good job that a lot of people are going to want.
1: When's the draft? Late July?
2: Yeah, July 28th, 29th. 29, I believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what do you guys think? Like by the end of this month?
2: Yeah, I think so. Cause you're probably going to want a new coach in there for like the brunt of the pre draft process when it really kicks up post combine. My guess would be Brad is going to be doing a ton of interviews over the next like two weeks, three weeks. I think they're probably going to really ramp up that process now that they're in the external phase because you want your coach's input when you're going through all the pre-draft stuff. And that will really, really ramp up right after the combine.
0: The only other uh, the only other coaching note that I wanted to bring up, and I know Nicole doesn't think this is nearly as big a deal as I do, was uh, Carol Lawson uh, did an AMA on Bleacher Report. She was kind of uh, asked about the speculation and she said, you know, I've done really well in my career by focusing on myself in the moment. I loved my time in Boston. I loved coaching those players. It was a special time in my life. The speculation, you can chase a lot of rabbits down a lot of holes. And my argument here is that I think like that's not a no. I think if Kara was was super in on just like exclusively, like she wanted to stay at Duke, I think it would have been pretty easy to say like, I'm honored that I'm in consideration, that people are bringing up my name. Like I, I, I have unfinished business at Duke. I, you know, I have done, I haven't done X, Y, or Z. I haven't even gotten a chance to coach. I, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't that.
1: I don't think she would say yes or no either way. From what I gathered from her one year here, Kara Lawson stays very low key. She's not trying to make headlines by taking a stand. I wouldn't expect any other possible answer than what she gave.
2: That is exactly it. Kara is so like low profile with this stuff. She wouldn't say yes or no either way. That's not her. I tried to do a story with her and she was super nice about it, but she was like, I don't want any attention on me. That's just like the way she operates. And I think Brad probably loves that about her because that's kind of the way Brad likes to operate. I don't think she would have said yes or no, either way.
0: I think she would have said no.
1: I also think if I were to make a call based purely off of that answer, it's a no. I thought her answer was trending more towards, I'm doing what's best for myself. I loved my time in Boston. That was a separate chapter like, you can talk all you want, but like, I'm good.
2: If I have to pick a side here, I definitely think she left the door open, for sure. And yeah, Nicole. Yeah, Nicole. <laughs> it is too easy for her to just be like, I'm committed to the Blue Devils. Like, I'm staying here. I've. It uh, would have been
0: so easy to just say that.
2: But and in fairness, I don't think she would have said, does. I don't no, think she would have said either. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, like, obviously it's easier. Like, of course, if she were to take a stand, of course the no is easier because it would be ridiculous for her to be like, yeah, I'm all in, I want to go. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Give me a ring, Brad.
1: (laughs) So obviously the no is way easier to envision. Again, there's no way that she would have ever given a firm answer.
2: I 100% agree. Yes, if we're in the business of taking sides, which I guess we technically are, I would say she left the door open. But she would have, the way Kara operates, in my brief experience being around her, there's no shot she would have taken a side.
0: No, I I think, I I definitely see your guy's point. Like, like, you know, she, she was, especially in Boston, she was very, wanted to avoid the spotlight. Kind of the big story here that uh, we wanted to get to it was Kemba Walker <laughs> behind uh,
2: Carol Lawson's AMA. <laughs> the second
0: biggest story that we wanted to get to here was Kemba Walker and the Celtics, uh, reportedly about ready to be done with their partnership. It sounds like, uh, per Bleacher Reports, uh, Farbad Esna Esna Shari, the uh, Kemba Walker experiment in Boston seems to be coming to an end. Sources said the Celtics and Walker are likely to move forward from their relationship this offseason. Um, it sounds like you know, his, his sources were close to Kemba. It it sounds like, uh, you know, the Celtics tried to trade Walker, which we kind of knew sounds like Drew Holiday was a target. Given what the uh, Bucks gave up for Drew Holiday, I can't imagine how quickly the Drew Holiday for Kimball Walker trade got shot down. Source close to Walker said he was hurt by Boston's efforts to trade him, which created a rift in the Walker-Ainge relationship. What do you guys make of this?
2: I don't think it's breaking news that the Celtics want to move Kemba Walker. I I didn't find that to be like a major, like shock. I feel like it's been pretty widely known that, yeah, they've tried to move him in the past and shocker, they would like to get off of his current contract. Like that's not a surprise the way this report was kind of formed, it did sound like maybe there was some like this could have been coming from Jeff Schwartz or, or someone with his agency. So that leads you to think like, all right, maybe there is something to this and maybe he was rubbed the wrong way. That's just it came off like this was coming from the agency side of things.
0: I would say that this report accelerated the well Kemba Walker negotiations. Series. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Even if the Celtics weren't planning on moving Kemba Walker at all this offseason, people would be talking about it because it just makes so much sense given his yeah, contract yeah. and performance and the state of their cap situation. But the fact that Kemba came out and was like, actually, I want to trade because I'm unhappy with the front office, I feel like was surprising. And sort of, I don't know if he's trying to like reshape the narrative here or something and paint it as more of like, oh, I'm upset at the Celtics as opposed to the Celtics moving on from him. It's sort of like, I'm not coming to your party even though I wasn't invited type like vibes (laughs) you know what I mean but like I think it was the last straw or like the nail in the coffin in terms of like he's definitely getting moved
2: I think it's important to remember, yeah, he has some serious durability issues, but Kemba Walker is still good. Like, he did play very well down the stretch, and I think there are a lot of people ready to, like, throw him to the curb in a sense. But he does still have value when he's healthy, not, like, his contract stinks. That's obvious. But I don't know. Like, he did show some bright spots, so I think there is still some on-court value there. It's problematic that his durability sucks, but he's not bad by any means. He's not a bad point guard.
0: I mean, he can't stay healthy. Like it's, it's really, I mean, it's tough. Like, I mean, the Celtics, I, I I feel, I honestly, I feel really bad for both parties here because of course, Kemba Walker's feelings are hurt. Like they tried to trade him. Like I, my feelings would also be hurt if a team tried to trade me. Like I would also want to leave that team. I'm petty as hell. Of course I would want to be traded. <laughs> I, I also, but also at the same time, you know, Celtics had the bad luck of signing a guy to, who missed what, like seven games in like eight years. Like he, he was so durable for his whole time in Charlotte and the second the Celtics signed him was when these knee issues started to crop up and sure you could have said like okay like a 5 foot 11 point guard who lo- relies on speed and shiftiness yeah i mean when he gets to 30 it's it's risky to sign him but at the same time i mean just no issues before he joined the Celtics and and when he joins the Celtics it's just this knee thing keeps flaring up and flaring up you're right that he's a good player when he's healthy. I, I don't know that I have any confidence in him. Him being healthy, like for a season, I don't have any confidence in him. And if you have no confidence in that, it's it's just really hard to sell me on you know his, his value for the Celtics. I think there's value exclusively in just kind of letting his contract run out because when his contract runs out, Celtics have a ton of space, especially, you know, if they're keeping Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, those guys are under contract for a while. That could be a really attractive situation. That's a lot of contract room that just opens up um, when Kemba comes off the books. And I and I think the other thing to uh, to remember is that Kemba's contract has a 15% trade kicker. If he's trying to get out and they can waive that, it's like significant money. It's like it's like 41 and a half million in 2021-22 and uh, 43 million in 2022-23. You know, if you are going to trade him um, and if he really wants out, maybe you know, maybe this is an indicator that he's willing to grease the wheels a little bit uh, by waving that trade kicker. One way or the other, I mean, it's Celtics are in a tough spot with Kemba. Like, this is the tough thing that happens when you sign a 30-year-old to a max deal who uh, who can't stay on the court.
1: And in that report from Bleacher Report, the source told BR that Kemba wants to go to a contender. Obviously, they don't have to listen to him. But if they care about feelings or things like that, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Like, if Brad trades Kemba Walker to the Oklahoma City Thunder.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They are in a tough spot. Does Brad pick up the call from Sam Presti if if it does come because it'd be tough not to if you're I would, Brad
0: Got that call for sure. Yeah,
2: I would definitely definitely
0: pick up that call. Both Kemba and uh Al Horford uh their contracts come up in 2022-23. Well, Kemba Kemba has a player option that year. Uh Horford his contract is 26 and a half million that year whereas Kemba's will be 37 million. Again, Kemba Walker when he's healthy is a good player, but I just have so little confidence in him that I think, you know, bringing on Horford even at his age, even as he, you know, sort of declines a little bit I mean, yeah, if I'm if I'm Brad, I'm definitely picking up that call from Sam Presti because the money is still going to come off the books at the same time. And in the interim, you're just paying a little bit less. Like it just kind of makes things a little easier for you. And if you're just looking for like straight like bad money for bad money, I mean, one, I think Horford makes way more sense than Porzingis because Porzingis isn't a particularly good basketball player. But I also think that uh, I think that the money makes a lot of sense, too.
2: To me, letting that contract run out to down the road get that flexibility is so much better than taking a shot at Kristaps Porzingis, adding an extra year, and you push that cap flexibility further down the road. That makes way less sense to me than if they were to just let him run his course in Boston and then pick up the flexibility when he's off the books. Like that shows what a tough position they're in. That they're considering, hey, like, or they might consider, we could just let this thing run out.
0: The, the only other thing about Kemba that I, I think it probably is is worth touching on, I mean, what do you guys think this does? So the Celtics have obviously had some some issues like from a perception standpoint, after years and years of of the narrative being that like nobody wants to play in Boston, even though the Celtics kept acquiring people via trade, and they'd never had cap space. They finally get some cap space. They actually sign a bunch of people pretty easily. All of those guys have kind of pieced out. You know, obviously they, they lost Horford, they lost uh, Gordon Hayward, Kemba now doesn't really want to be here after signing. I mean, do you think that this does? And Kyrie wasn't a signing, but like again, a guy who came to Boston and opted to sign elsewhere when free agency hit. Do we think that this is concerning at all for the Celtics, like, going forward? I mean, does the change in management help the perception? Uh, Where do you guys land on this?
1: I don't think the change in management really makes that much of a difference because they didn't really hire from the outside. Like, I know Brad Stevens is different, obviously, than promoting Mike Zarin because Mike Zarin is the one that's, like, dealing with a lot of agents and GMs. But Brad, there's still too much continuity that I don't think his promotion really changes the perception. I do think there's something to it. Now, like, when looking at those comments from the Western Conference executives obviously other team executives when given a platform are going to paint other teams in a bad light especially when it all makes sense like that's a given but there's something to it for sure because you can't just ignore the fact that all these players have left that's why I think the Celtics All of their effort should be dedicated toward getting Jason Tatum to stay. Because if he leaves, that is just catastrophic. Because he could be a big selling point. He's good enough. He's friends with a ton of people across the league. He has that cachet where they could still remain a destination. But if things go awry through the rest of his contract and he ends up leaving, like...
0: The other thing about that that I think is important is that like all of these guys, you you can give good reasons why why they left. You know, things like things happen. Like Kyrie is like like you just don't know with him. I mean, like I, I I love watching him. I think he's an interesting guy, but like he really is an unpredictable guy. Like you can't really step aside from that. Like you can explain a lot of these things away if you want to. Like you can come up with with reasons X, Y, and Z. At the same time, it it kind of doesn't matter because the narrative is going to be built however the narrative is built. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. It the narr- narrative is going to be what the narrative is and that's a tough the narrative is tough for the Celtics right now the narrative is there and like yeah. i don't know what you can do
2: about it yeah very easy to build that narrative solely by looking through the transaction history it's not it's not that complicated and i don't think like nicole said i don't think that the recent changes have done anything to change the league wide perception in any way but you want to see the league-wide perception change in the wrong direction for the Celtics and get even worse, you have Jason Tatum leave in a couple years. That has to be of the highest priority for this front office to make sure he sticks around. Whether that means going to get Bradley Beal, whatever, I, I think you have to do whatever it takes for a variety of reasons to make sure that Jason Tatum stays because it's already not great that you have all of these players leaving. You have Jason Tatum on top of them, up and leave, like, Not great, but it's certainly a possibility if things don't go well over the next couple of years.
0: You better be careful trading Jalen Brown because yep. he's a homegrown talent. He's really, really, really good. I don't know that he has necessarily Tatum's cachet around the league, but he's he's very well respected. He's a member of the you know a member of the of the union. Like he's he's a well respected guy too. So like I just think you got to be careful. Um, you got to be really, really they're careful. They're in a tough spot uh, with their perception, and I think they're in a, I think their perception does actually matter. So and of course perception changes if you start winning. Better start winning some games. <laughs> All right. I think that will do it for today. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us, and we will talk to you all again soon.